You're going to love this. Just love it. I am stuck in the middle with you and pretty happy about it. Brad Friedman here on KPFK. This is your broadcast. I am your friendly citizen, investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, and muckraker. Oh, all-around swell fellow from bradblog.com here for another live hour in Los Angeles on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara. 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Yes, we're up and down the western seaboard. And, of course, coast to coast and around the globe on kpfk.org, on the Stitcher radio app, on the TuneIn radio app, and now on the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Glad you could join us here this afternoon, we have a big show for you uh, today, and uh, and we may, if the radio gods are with us, we may even get to your phone calls, if you can imagine such a thing. I've been trying to take calls now for uh, weeks and weeks and months and months, but there's too damn much news <laughs> that I haven't uh, just haven't had time. So if you want to get in line right now, 818-985-5735 is our phone number. That's 818 818- 985-KPFK. You'll uh, need to stay on hold for a bit uh, because we got a few things we need to cover here right off the bat. But if you want to get in, I'd love to hear from you on all manner of things that we're going to talk about today and uh, things that you may have on your mind. One of the things that I want to do, you know, last week uh, we left this show. We, we we dealt with the uh, uh, the bombing at the Boston Marathon. We dealt with the, uh, the the background checks bill that had been turned down in the U.S. Senate. It didn't even get turned down. It wasn't allowed to come up for a vote because of the filibuster, thanks to the NRA and the Republican Party, essentially. Uh, it was already a busy news week by the time we got to the uh, to midweek by the time we were on, uh, doing our show here on Wednesday and then we went home and things just got way worse from there in what became a, a, a news week from hell it was on Wednesday night that a fertilizer plant exploded in West Texas. We're going to talk about that very shortly. We've got uh, Ramon Galindo from RT America on uh, on the line calling from, I believe he's actually in West Texas. He's been there all week. We're going to talk to him in a moment. That went all night Wednesday night. Kept me up covering the story until about 4 a.m. Uh, at bradblog.com. Then Thursday night, shots fired, uh, explosions start happening in Watertown, Massachusetts, that story, uh, the chase of the two suspects in the Boston Marathon bombing then went, you know, around the clock at that point until Friday night. So it has been a hell of a week. Last week was, I don't ever remember a news week like it, to be frank. 
In addition to those stories, there were a number of other stories that in any other given Newsweek would have been the top of the news, would have been wall-to-wall in many cases, perhaps all week long. Among them, actually, here's a, a, a comedian Andy Daly uh, tweeted this accurately last week. He said, uh, quote, when an Elvis impersonator trying to kill the president is the least interesting news story of the week, you know some stuff went down. Yeah, that's the kind of week that it was. Oh, there was also a new bipartisan study concluding uh, that uh, the Bush administration torture after 9-11 was much worse than feared. That would have been a major uh, story as well. We're going to talk about that as well in a little bit. So we're going to try to catch up with much of what you might not have heard uh, about last week. And as well, some new stories that are happening this week and indeed today. And by the way, before I go to uh, Ramon Galindo, let me just mention that if you heard this show last week, my interview with uh, Dean Logan, the uh, Register Recorder County Clerk of Los Angeles County, talking about his plans for a new voting system for Los Angeles, the largest voting system in the nation, a system that will then be sold to other places in California and other places around the country. If you missed that interview, let me recommend that you check out bradblog.com at some point today, tonight, tomorrow. I've written up that interview. I've gotten uh, additional information from Dean Logan from the U.S. Elections Assistance Commission on on this uh, proposed system right now. There are a number of things to be very concerned about. There is both good news and bad news from that uh, interview last week. The good news, I'll just give you the top line. The good news, Dean Logan said no to Internet voting here in Los Angeles County. That's very good news, particularly as uh, today we saw a a bill move forward up in Sacramento in the uh, uh, legislature up there promoting Internet voting, the madness of Internet voting, the Internet voting virus that now seems to be spreading to California for reasons unknown. At least here in L.A., says Dean Logan, it ain't going to happen. That's the good news. The bad news, Dean Logan wants to introduce touchscreen voting across Los Angeles County, 100 percent unverifiable. Find out why over at bradblog.com. Read that story. Send it to your friends. Again, it's not just a California story. It is a national story because what happens here spreads quickly to the rest of the nation. And indeed, that is their plan to uh, create the system for L.A., to sell it to the rest of the country, and, by the way, to completely do away with all federal testing for this new voting system. Very troubling in many respects. Please check out that report. All right. Uh, Ramon Galindo is a producer He's a, and a reporter for RT America's Los Angeles Bureau. He is on the ground in West Texas today, as he has been since the night of the massive blast at the West Fertilizer Company's plant in the tiny town near Waco. The explosion rocked the town last Wednesday night, killed 15 people to date, many of them first responders who had responded at a fire at the plant before the explosion happened. It has now injured some 200 others in addition to those uh, uh, 15 folks that have been killed. The destruction uh, is across a 37-block area, and we're talking about a town of some 2,600 residents. So this is pretty huge, pretty horrible. It left a crater that is said to be 93 feet, 93 feet wide, and 10 feet deep, 
at the plant itself. Ramon Galindo, as I said, is a correspondent for RT America. Usually I'm the one uh, working with him when I'm uh, going to appear on RT out here in Los Angeles. We're going to turn the tables a little bit because he is on the ground in Texas. He'll be reporting to us today. Ramon Galindo, sir, welcome to the broadcast. Hi, Brad. Good to be with you. Good to have you here. Uh, boy, you have been there, and I believe you were just about one of the first uh, media folks on the scene because you were down in Texas. You had just arrived in Texas to do another story in Austin when you heard news of this plant blowing up, and they said, get the heck up to West Texas. Is that right? Yeah, that's pretty much how it happened. We were uh, traveling to Austin for another story, and pretty much as, as soon as we checked into our hotel room, we got word of the blast. And, and hit the road immediately. It's about a two-hour drive from Austin, two and a half hours. Uh, so we were definitely here uh, very early on. And, yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, the damage, is, the damage area, it's about 350 homes damaged. Right now, the estimates that are about $100 million in climbing as far as uh, damage estimates. And as you mentioned, I mean, the, the crater itself is nearly 100 feet wide. Mm. 10 feet deep. We got, uh, we were able to obtain some video today of the actual site and it's a, definitely a very frightening scene there. We're gonna hopefully share that with some of our viewers, uh, tomorrow on RT. But as of right now, no, um, no sense of really what happened. Uh, we spoke to investigators today and, and pretty much the only, uh, confirmation that they're able to give us as far as, uh, looking into what caused this all they know is that uh it wasn't uh it wasn't from God. It wasn't a natural disaster. It's not like lightning struck the mm-hmm. planet and caused the fire and explosion. Uh what's happening right now on the ground there at the scene of the crater is that uh dozens of ATF agents are on the ground uh shoveling up uh pieces of dirt and pieces of material. They're gonna send that back to the lab to see what's in the soil, what sort of chemicals are in there. But right now, it's it's going to be quite a long time until we find out what happened there exactly. And it's going to be quite a long time until um, the residents there recover because some of them still haven't even been able to go back to their house. And, you know, and that's what I want to ask you about, uh, Ramon. You, since you've been there for a week, I, I'm wondering how the town itself is holding up. This is a tiny town. I know that everybody, uh, you know, sort of knows everybody else there. They certainly know people who are injured most of them probably know people who were killed so how has the town been holding up over the past week that you've been there and uh ramon how have things uh, how have you seen things change in the past uh, seven days i guess we're coming up on the one week mark here uh in just a few hours uh, how have uh, how have things changed over that past week as far as the residents of that town Right, yeah, just to bring you up to date, a couple of hours ago, we're actually just returning uh, from a funeral that was held today for Dallas Fire Captain Kenneth Harris. He was one of the first responders who got there, and yeah, he worked in in Dallas, but he lived there in West, and practically the whole town knew who he was, so I mean, uh, definitely a very sad scene there, and and as you mentioned, I mean, so many people knew the first responders, the West uh fire department is a mostly volunteer fire department and i mean uh losing five firefighters from one station i mean that's a big chunk of not just their fire station but their town uh mm-hmm. like you mentioned less than 3 3000 people so definitely a very somber mood there uh in the days since the explosion i would describe the area as one of organized chaos um uh, 
people very emotional, obviously. Uh, some people really frustrated that they're not getting the information that they need. Uh, first responders from all over the state of Texas have come in to try to keep the order there and try to keep people uh, safe, pretty much. Uh, the reason a lot of them are not being allowed uh, close is because it's basically just not structurally safe to even go into some of these buildings. Uh, and and the people that are living there, I know what these small, you know, I spent some time out there actually years ago in Crawford, Texas, which I know is, is nearby in a similarly tiny town. Where are these people going if they can't stay, if they're not allowed back into their houses or their houses have been destroyed? Are they staying uh, somewhere in the city? Is there like a, a refugee uh, camp, if you will, uh, built there? Or are they uh, going out to Waco, uh, 20 miles to the south. Where, what, what's going on with all of those people? Where are they staying? Sure. Well, from the displaced people, as you mentioned, is a pretty close-knit community, so a lot of them are staying with relatives. Uh, I spoke to one firefighter who was displaced from his home. He said that uh, there is a, an apartment manager here in Waco which is putting up a bunch of victims rent-free, so that's good to hear. Uh, the American Red Cross and several other uh, agencies are in town uh, putting some people up. Uh, some people have been staying in hotels. So as far as the displaced, uh, they have been finding places for them, but a, a lot of them are just uh, really getting stir-crazy and, and, and want to get back to their house. Uh, but, I mean, this, it's affected everybody in the town. The, the mayor himself, I was in the, in the evacuation zone uh, yesterday trying to speak to people, and I, I happened to come across this uh, home, and I, I was surprised to see the mayor there uh, because his home was damaged as well, so uh, he's not allowed to stay there. And the situation is still uh, very difficult because there's not there aren't any utilities in many parts of the city. Uh, there's a boil water order uh, throughout the entire city. Uh, you can only shower and wash your hands. Everybody is drinking bottled water. Uh, there's no gas service in some parts of the city. So uh, as far as infrastructure goes, uh, I mean, th there's still a long way to go before everything gets uh, back in order here. I'm speaking with Ramon Galindo, uh, a producer and reporter for RT America. He's on the ground uh, in Texas, in West Texas, over the past week following this uh, horrific fertilizer plant explosion. Uh, Ramon, I know that you were not allowed into the uh, the blast area over the past week. Uh, you, you had told me you might get in there today. Were, you were, in fact, allowed in there today, into that area? Uh, as far as I could get, the uh, for, uh, the highway patrol here mm -hmm. will only allow me to get about half a mile away. However, uh, we were able to obtain some video from the site, uh, which was provided I to see. us, which paints uh, a very gruesome picture. But even from a half mile away, the damage is quite extensive. There, there were fireballs, it seems like, that landed half a mile away because... Uh, or, or at least some embers, because there are buildings that are completely burned down uh -huh. more than half a mile away. And we spoke to people who who were living, uh, I would say, you know, half a mile to point six miles away from the blast site itself, and the damage is quite extensive. Garage doors completely blown in, all the windows uh, gone, uh, roofs caved in, and uh, 
and, and it's really surprising that more people were not injured. Uh, there's a lot of elderly people and a lot of uh, seniors who lived in the area. So, well, that's a, yeah. I, actually, so, Ramon, I wanted to ask you about that specifically. Uh, two points on this. Uh, one, were you and I don't know if you're able to get close enough to tell, but were you able to tell how close? I know there was a nursing home that was said to be within uh, I don't know if it was 300 feet or 300 yards. Uh, a middle school that was also nearby this fertilizer plant. Were you able to? Are you able to see on the ground just how close those facilities, the nursing home with 144 residents, this middle school, how close they actually were to the fertilizer plant? Sure. Uh, from the video that we were able to obtain today, it appears that the apartment complex was only a couple of hundred uh, yards away from the fertilizer plant itself. At a, about 100 yards away, you can see chunks of concrete, which were actually the foundation of the fertilizer plant ex- itself. So that gives you a, another perspective of how how powerful this blast was. It sent the foundation of the fertilizer plant 100 yards away. So uh, yeah. you can see playgrounds uh, in the vicinity that are just completely blown away. It's almost like a scene out of Terminator where the blast just blew everything away so it's it's really shocking that it's not more people that died it really is and i know there was early reports uh, from the ems director that he expected some 60 to 70 dead uh i'm glad so far that number has not held up but you know i want to play let me just play a short uh, audio clip if i could ramon uh some people may have seen this video it was absolutely unbelievable seeing it but even hearing the audio gives you a sense of the size of this explosion. This was a, a, a man and his, uh, I believe his daughter, were in a car looking at the fire before the explosion. They appear to be several hundred yards away. Uh, and, and then this happened. You can hear just the horror uh, from this audio clip. It should collapse. Just absolutely chilling, even hearing the audio, not seeing the visual. Uh, Ramon, uh, let me, uh, a couple of questions here in the minutes we have left. Um, There has been questions now, uh, you know, as usual, things move to politics very quickly in this and concerns about inspections uh, of this fertilizer plant. Apparently, it was last had a full inspection by OSHA in 1985. And it received a $30 fine at the time. It has not been uh, uh, inspected since. Uh, OSHA records show that it, it, uh, that fertilizer plants, there has only been six fertilizer plants in all of Texas to have been uh, inspected since 2005, I believe it is, or 2008. This is remarkable to me. Uh, a plant in Texas can expect to be inspected Every 126 years, that's even worse than the appalling national average of 99 years. 
Um, one other report here that I want to point out, the West Fertilizer, uh, this is according to the Dallas Morning News, West Fertilizer Company has had problems complying with Texas environmental rules for decades, according to state records. In 1984, for example, the company moved two large pressurized tanks of liquid anhydrous ammonia, a potentially lethal, lethal uh, poison, from a site in nearby Hill County to its current location in West without notifying state authorities. Seven years had passed before Texas regulators finally noticed and told the company to fix their paperwork. The tanks had sat at their new location near homes, schools, and a nursing home with little or no state oversight for all of that time. There are a lot of serious political questions here. Uh, have any of those questions yet come up in the town a week later, or are we just uh, s- still so close since the disaster that uh, those questions have, have not yet uh, begun to get asked down there? Well, those questions are being asked, but... Uh... Yes, uh, people here in this town are actually quite hesitant to bring up those issues, given the fact that, I mean, this plant has been here since the 1960s, and actually those homes and schools uh, were not there when the fertilizer plant. So uh, uh, actually the question that's being asked here more is uh, who was allowed to give the permits to build homes so close to the fertilizer plant. But when it comes to the uh, environmental and regulatory issues, uh, that is definitely a big concern here. Rick Perry was asked about it earlier this week, and, I mean, he didn't really seem to think that any uh, further oversight was absolutely necessary uh, to prevent further disasters such as these. And when it comes to the uh, OSHA part of this uh, scenario, uh, obviously, uh, a couple of problems there, likely funding issues with uh, having uh, regulators come in and look at these plants. And you also have to remember that uh, Texas is a big oil state, and many a times uh, it's these refineries and these drilling rigs that receive uh, more scrutiny, and sometimes plants like these fertilizer plants are a little bit lower on the uh, totem pole when it comes to uh going in there and checking to make sure that everything is up on the up and up. And that's not to say, though, that there hasn't been complaints in the past. In 2006, there was complaints of, uh, excuse me, in, uh, yes, 2006, there was complaints of odors coming out of there, uh, EPA fined them. And, and just earlier this year, there was a, a complaint of a fire happening there, which w- which forced the evacuation of the nearby school. It turned out that they were both they were burning pallets there on the plant site. And there was also uh, found to be over 1,300 times the legally allowed amount of explosive ammonium nitrate uh, at the plant uh, that they had not told the Department of Homeland Security about. And, you know, it's sort of the self-testing regime. Uh, in, in fact, uh, on the night of the explosion, Randy Lee Loftus, uh, the environmental reporter, from the Dallas Morning News uh, had noted that uh, when the plant was asked uh, in in reports that were given to the EPA and to the um, uh, local officials, if there were any, uh, let's see, they let's see here, the they had stated the plant had stated, quote, no, under fire or explosive risks at the plant. The worst possible scenario, the report said, would be a 10-minute release of ammonia gas that would kill or injure. No one. 
Again, that was the self-reporting by this company. And I note, I don't believe they have come out uh, and even had any response at all so far, either the West Fertilizer Company or the uh, their parent company, Adair uh, Grain. Have you heard any statements from the company, Ramon? Right. They have not uh, made any sort of statements in regard to uh, what was on the plant. They've uh, sent a uh, a note of condolence for the community. The owners, uh, from my understanding, are also rest, rest, West residents. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, in 2011, they said the worst thing that could happen in this at this plant was, uh, you know, some gas coming out of the anhydrous ammonia tanks. And when they reported this, as you mentioned earlier, there was no mention of the ammonium nitrate on the site, which was there in 2012, uh, or, or, or records at the state health services shows that there were 270 tons of ammonium nitrate there last year. Uh, what, from our uh, view of the site today, uh, investigators did show us uh, a rail car, which is covered in a big blue tarp, uh, which is being taken into evidence. Uh, it, the rail car was holding the ammonium nitrate on site. Uh, investigators won't confirm how much ammonia was there or how much of any of the other chemicals were there. They said a, a lot of those records are gone. So I, I think it's going to be quite a, quite a while until we know exactly what chemicals, uh, you know, there, there might have been other chemicals that were not even registered. Well, so. and that's one of the things, too, uh, Ramon Galindo, the Office of the Texas State Chemist. This was amazing to me. The Office of the Texas State Chemist, a division of Texas A&M University, is fighting uh, 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 Dallas Morning News request for inspection and inventory records citing national security concerns regarding ammonium nitrate, which can be highly explosive and used in bombs. The fact that they won't even respond, uh, you know, to explain, to, to give the uh, record of the inspections and of the inventory claiming national security here is Kind of remarkable to me. I would also add another question that we're going to have to learn about, I suspect, in the days ahead, if federal aid is going to be given uh, to West Texas in this matter. Uh, of course, that's a political question. Uh, I wonder where Ted Cruz, who voted, Senator Ted Cruz, who voted against aid uh, after Hurricane Sandy, I wonder where he's going to fall if he's going to vote against federal aid for his own state. And then, of course, the question of what actually caused this explosion. Right now, we have no idea. It could be, uh, it could even be foul play, seems unlikely, um, but it could even be, uh, foul play, a terrorist attack or something. It seems to me that we know almost well, nothing option, at this point. Brad. I yeah. mean, I mean, I mean, right now it could be an accident. It could be intentional and, and they may never find out what exactly happened according to investigators. And, and I mean, to your point where some regulatory agencies are, are railroading reporting, reporters trying to get information, I can tell you that, uh, earlier this week I, I called the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality simply trying to get some answers as far as the air quality surrounding the area and they were very reluctant to give me any sort of information. They did put up sensors around the town to make sure that there wasn't anything bad in the air and when I pressed them as far as what those monitors have found they were they were absolutely reluctant to give me any sort of information. Unbelievable. AP is reporting that uh, Governor Rick Perry has uh, <laughs> 
essentially saying that uh, Texans are satisfied with the level of oversight uh, in these uh, inspections. This quote is, uh, th- quote, through their elected officials, people clearly send the message of their comfort with the amount of oversight. Really? Is that really the case? Uh, people of Texas, you might want to uh, let Governor Perry and other elected officials know if you are not comfortable with the amount of oversight. Ramon Galindo, uh, this is an amazing story. That's why I wanted to you know, get it out, because it really did kind of disappear, given, understandably, in one sense, given the events of last week in Boston. But you know, more people were killed here, more people were injured here, uh, and there are many, many more mysteries uh, that remain. How long are you going to be staying, Ramon Galindo, down in uh, West Texas covering this story at this point, to your knowledge? Uh, well, we haven't bought a plane ticket back to California, so we'll we'll be here for a little while longer, Brad. Okay, we may be uh, checking in with you again if you're still around uh, by next week. Uh, stay safe down there, my friend. I really appreciate you checking in with us. Thanks for the good work. You can check out Ramon Galindo's work over at uh, RT America on the YouTube channel, RT America, uh, as well as RT.com. Ramon Galindo, thank you, sir. Great talking to you, Brad. Sage and blue is like perfume. Alright, when we come back, it's your calls at 818-985-5735 if you like to talk about West Texas uh, or anything else, the torture report, Boston, uh, the Elvis impersonator who apparently didn't try to kill the president. We'll have much more on that straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman. You're listening to the Bradcast. Stay with us. Around the brush, deep in the heart of Texas, the cowboys cry, Kai. Deep in the heart of Texas. DJ Namde from Radio Aphrodisia. Join us every Saturday as we nice up your weekend. It's all about music from Africa and the African world. Radio Aphrodisia, 4 to 6 p.m. It's Champeta Criola from the coast of Caribe. Soca Calypso. Juju Music. Musica Afro Cubana. Cha, cha, cha. Afrobeat High Life. It's all in the mix. Radio Aphrodisia, Saturdays, 4 to 6 p.m. Showtime. Tune in.
Standing up at the gates of hell, right here on your Bradcast, I'm Brad Friedman of bradblog.com. Trying to catch up on just a little bit of what you may have missed last week in the Newsweek from Hell. Uh, we talked about the West Fertilizer explosion, and of course, as I noted, it was a week when Andy Daly tweeted... When an Elvis impersonator trying to kill the president is the least interesting news story of the week, you know some stuff went down. Yeah, that was that was last week. And now we've got an interesting turn of events in this Ricin investigation. Uh, Ricin was confirmed to have been sent to uh, President Barack Obama, to a U.S. senator, to a Mississippi uh, county judge. And you may have heard that uh, Paul Kevin Curtis was arrested for uh, having sent that ricin. That was last week. It sounded like the story was over. Funny thing. Apparently, he didn't do it. Paul Kevin Curtis was a, uh, a, a karate expert, an Elvis impersonator. Uh, from Mississippi, he was arrested, uh, interrogated, they searched his house, his computer, they found no signs of ricin, and now federal officials, as of last night, have released Paul Kevin Curtis. They are now said to be looking at uh, a, a guy who was uh, sort of a, an, an online enemy of his, the guy who happened to also be a taekwondo instructor and a bluesman, um, this is an amazing story. So the guy now at the center of the Ricin letter case, according to TPM, after Elvis impersonator Paul Kevin Curtis was released from prison with all charges dropped. Um, I'm not even going to say his name, actually. TPM does and other people do, but he has not been arrested. He has not been charged. Um, so I'm not even going to say his name at this point, but he is apparently a failed GOP candidate, a Taekwondo instructor, a blues man, an insurance agent. He's also currently facing child molestation charges. So uh, Curtis's lawyer says that this man tried to frame Kevin Curtis. And while they were announcing Curtis's release yesterday afternoon, that police were searching the home of the man believed to be the new suspect. The man previously denied any involvement in the Ricin mailings. This is interesting. TPM, Talking Points Memo, spoke to him uh, yesterday afternoon, shortly before the FBI agents reportedly arrived at his house. He expressed shock upon hearing that Curtis had been released and then said he had to go. Subsequent attempts to uh, reach the man have now been unsuccessful. Both the FBI and the local Lee County Sheriff's Department have not responded to multiple requests for comment from TPM. But this guy heard that uh, Curtis was released and said, oh, I got to go. And he disappeared. One of the reasons I don't want to name his name is because I saw what happened, frankly, with the supposed anthrax killer. You remember uh, FBI had uh, identified a man by the name of Bruce Ivins claiming that he was the anthrax killer. That was after they had identified other people uh, who had nothing to do with it, apparently. And Bruce Ivins eventually ended up killing himself before he could be arrested or tried in the anthrax case. Bruce Ivins' um, colleagues, he, he was a scientist. He actually worked with anthrax at a uh, at a government test lab. 
Uh, you remember this back from 2001, these letters that were sent to uh, uh, Senator uh, Leahy, Senator Daschle, to uh, Dan Rather at the time with the message, death to America, death to Israel, Allah is great. Um, actually, uh, not uh, Dan Rather, uh, Tom Brokaw apparently received one of those letters. Right after the 9-11 uh, attack, this happened, freaked out America, and uh, years later... In 2008, the FBI decided they had their man, Bruce Ivins. Problem with that story is that none of his colleagues thought he was capable of doing it. They thought it was insane, and they still to this day do not believe he did it, many of his colleagues. Um, and interestingly enough, he's sending these letters to, that say, death to America, death to Israel, Allah is great, all of this stuff. Well, I checked with the uh, election director in the county where he lived uh, in Maryland, and the election director said he was a Democrat, or at least that he had voted in, uh, you know, Democratic primaries year after year after year. This was back in 2008. Why is a Democrat sending letters to, you know, with, with anthrax to Democrats, uh, Patrick Leahy and Tom Daschle at the time? That's a strange question, and apparently it's a question that his brother, that Bruce Ivins' brother, was never asked. I contacted Bruce Ivins' brother back then, his elder brother, uh, Thomas, to ask about Bruce Ivins' political leanings. And he said that, no, nobody uh, had asked him among the media and that he didn't know what his political affiliations were. He thought that was a good question, but the fact that the media didn't ask about it Suffice to say, a lot of questions remain around the anthrax killings uh, and a killer who could be still on the loose there as an attempted killer is uh, still for now on the loose with these ricin mailings. It's an amazing story. But in any case, let me get to some of your calls here. 818-985. Oh, uh, yeah, I got more. And we got Desi Doyen and Green News. So stand by, Desi. 818-985-5735. That's 818-985-KPFK. Let's go to uh, Bill in Lake Elsinore, California. Hey, Bill, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you, Brad. Uh, I got some snark earmarks and some facts to lay out. All right, bring it. Okay, fertilizer plants. Deadly, lethal. It's like if you took a slaughterhouse and mixed it with a munitions plant. Okay, I can name you five instances in Texas. The first time it happened in Texas City, Texas, refinery. They all went down to the docks to watch the ooh, the fluorescent orange smoke, and then ba boom, the complete town wiped out. This was the 1947, uh, Bruce, uh, Bill. Texas. Hang on, Bill. That was the uh, 1947 explosion, the yeah. worst industrial accident I think in the history of. Tech, well, I think in the history of the country, if I'm not mistaken, 1947. Uh, well, there's one, one more up yeah. in Nova Scotia. But uh, I, 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 can, I got facts on five of these. And what about that quaint little village, Bhopal, India? Ammonious hydroxide. Yep. Yeah. It even I, happened here in L.A. in Montebello. They evacuated us, a little tiny fertilizer plant, Sergro. Yeah, but Bill, uh, uh, but Bill, apparently uh, inspecting them once every ninety-nine years, as is the case for these plants across this country, that's just fine. And Bill Perry uh, says that his, uh, or I'm sorry, Rick Perry in uh, in Texas, the governor there, says that his uh, inspections that his constituents are just fine with the level of inspection in Texas. It's proprietary here in Texas. We could buy science. That's oh. it, Bill. Hey, thanks, Bill. I, I appreciate the call, my friend. Thanks for thank you, Brad. Thank You're you. Great. Thank you. Appreciate I love it. Desi. 
she's I love her too. She's awesome. Thanks for checking in. Uh, let me go to uh, Hank in uh, La Puente. Let me get him here. Hey, Hank, welcome to the broadcast. What's on your mind, sir? Yeah, I'm uh, highly uh, scandalized by the apparent capture of uh, suspect number one. He was captured alive and uh, was disrobed and put into a, a car. According to who, Hank? According to uh, YouTube. I saw the video. It's, it's, it's still on YouTube. So this, has, uh, this report has all the full faith and credit of YouTube comments, does it, Hank? Yeah, but, it, but, it, <laughs> yeah, but it's not commentary. It's, it's yeah. video. I know. I have seen the video, and actually, uh, though I'm making a joke with you, I'm I'm not going to dispute that report. What I'm going to say, because this came up, uh, and I uh, speak with the, a lot of folks on a regular basis who are, you know, fans of Alex Jones and of the false flag uh, industry, if you will, and uh, you know, I was on the night that uh, Tamerlan. Uh, Tsarnaev was, was said to have been killed it, the night that before he was said to have been killed when they found that guy who ended up being, we call him the naked guy, I guess, at this point because yeah, he was stripped yeah. down. Mm-hmm. When they had him on the ground, uh, this was just moments, really, about an hour or so after the FBI had released a new picture of Tamerlan. I put those two pictures up side by side because I agree, they do look similar. And uh, when you see this very grainy, very difficult to see video uh, from, uh, I think, CNN in the darkness, I will also admit that the naked guy uh, looks like he could be Tamerlan. He's got a very athletic build. Tamerlan was a boxer. That said, however... What drives me crazy is when I hear folks, uh, Alex Jones and people who follow him, and even you, Hank, saying that Tamerlan is alive. We don't no, I'm, know I'm, that I'm, he is. We don't know that those two are the same people. And I wish to hell some of those people who believe that would pick up the phone, would call the Boston police, would make a public records request, and would find out who the hell is that guy who was naked and humiliated in front of the world and find out if, in fact, uh, you know, w- we can identify him and he has a name and that puts an end to this uh, so far unverified report that Tamerlan was not killed. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying that he was not killed. I'm saying that they killed him subsequently. That's, uh, that's what appears to be the case. And this guy, if it's not, if it's not Tamerlan, it's his twin brother. Well, you know what, Hank? We don't know. And that's the problem. And so I wish that people who, who believed that this was the case would do some actual journalism before they went out, <laughs> made these announcements, you know, put pictures on the cover of the New York Post, as we've seen, of innocent people, saying, you know, calling them bagmen. Uh, turns out one of them was, you know, a 17 year old high school kid who couldn't believe uh, you know the world was looking for them people are endangered by this stuff we need to have responsible journalists out there and I appreciate your thought and I appreciate your concerns and I know you're not a journalist but, 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 but uh, Brad, yeah go ahead it appears, it appears that the main media is 20 million miles away from this they don't want to mess with this because apparently they felt that this guy was in fact murdered by the authorities they feel apparently that he had it coming. Uh, you so, know what? You're, you're making uh, presumptions about what the media is feeling. Hank, if you're concerned about it, call the, uh, the Boston police, make a public records request, and let us know what you find. I would love to hear about it because you might indeed have a, a bombshell story uh, if that guy can't be identified. You would also have another bombshell story if the guy can be identified. 
and we can put to rest uh, these rumors, which for the moment I regard as rather irresponsible. Well, I think it's an excellent idea to ID the guy. Yep. Uh, there was a subsequent follow-up blip that it was a Chinese guy or an Asian fellow. He's ab- absolutely not Asian, and if they arrested the guy, they must have his name and address, and the pro- the professional... Journalists should do this. I'm not yep. a pro. All right, Hank, thanks. I appreciate the call. Let's do some uh, reporting uh, instead of rumor-mongering. Uh, <laughs> that's that's my advice. I appreciate your call, Hank. Thanks Goodbye. for checking in. Uh, 818-985-5735. Uh, Going to get uh, back to the phones in a quick moment here, but I want to make sure we, we pull this story out as well because this is another one that got lost last week uh, among many huge items. That got lost in the Newsweek from hell. The Constitution Project's Task Force on Detainee Treatment uh, released a bipartisan report on the use of torture by the U.S. following 9-11. The uh, task force is described as an independent, bipartisan, blue-ribbon panel charged with examining the federal government's policies and actions related to the capture, detention, and treatment of suspected terrorists during the Clinton, Bush, and Obama administration. It's headed up by two former congressmen, Asa Hutchinson, Republican, uh, and James R. Jones, Democrat. Hutchinson actually served as a top official in the George W. Bush administration. So, you know, this is not a bunch of lefties out there uh, throwing bombs, if you will, from left field. You know, this is Republican Asa Hutchinson, one of the uh, one of the guys, as I recall, who was who was uh, actually impeaching uh, Bill Clinton years ago. I remember him. Uh, New York Times reports as follows: a nonpartisan independent review of interrogation and detention programs in the years after the September 2011, uh, 2001, September 11, 2001 terror attacks concludes that quote it is indisputable that the United States engaged in the practice of torture, unquote, and that the nation's highest officials bore ultimate responsibility for it. The sweeping 577-page report says that while brutality has occurred in every American war, there never before had been, quote, the kind of considered and detailed discussion that occurred after 9-11 directly involving a president and his top advisors on the wisdom, proprietary, and legality of inflicting pain and torment on some detainees in our custody. The use of torture, the report concludes, has, quote, no justification and, quote, has damaged the standing of our nation, reduced our capacity to convey moral censure when necessary and potentially increased the danger to U.S. military personnel taken captive. The task force found no firm or persuasive evidence that these interrogation methods produced valuable information that could not have been obtained by other means. Mr. Hutchinson, who served in the Bush administration as chief of the Drug Enforcement Administration and as undersecretary of the Department of Homeland Security, said, quote, he took, quote, convincing on the torture issue, but that after the panel's nearly two years of research, he said he had no doubts about what the United States did. This has not been an easy inquiry for me because I know many of the players, said Mr. Hutchinson. Mr. Jones added, I had not recognized the depths of torture in some cases. We lost our moral compass. Oh, you think? Not only did we lose our uh, moral compass, we lost our legal compass. 
And uh, this torture remains illegal, remains a violation of the U.N. Treaty on Torture. And if the U.S. won't prosecute it, other countries, other signatories to that treaty are required, are required to do so. And I hope they will. And I intend to cover this story in the days ahead. Let me get to uh, one more quick call, 818-985-5735. Then we're going to go over to Green News with Desi Doyen. Raj from West L.A. Hey, Raj, welcome, sir, to the broadcast. Hey, thanks, Brad. Uh, Yeah, now on the other station, I don't get you there. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The point I want to make is about ex-presidents like Clinton, uh, Carter. They are still in demand. They make a lot of money. No, that's capitalism. Make a lot of money after uh, being a pres- ex-president, mm-hmm. and also advice uh, like Nobel, you know, for various reasons, for various things, you know, uh, big advice. Uh, now, if you look at the two Bushes, uh, the first Bush is he's old man, and also forget it. The young Bush is only maybe fifty-five or sixty. Yeah. All he does is live in his cave in Dallas. Nobody consults him for anything. He, does, he doesn't make money out of speeches. Why, he's, he's why would Raj? Why would anybody consult him for anything uh, other than you know what to, not to do when you're president? What not to do on every pressing issue in the country? The fact that they actually do refer to uh, uh, Dick Cheney was actually uh, speaking with uh, members of Congress a couple of weeks ago about what to do about uh, I don't know if it was Iran or Benghazi or whatever other nonsense. Uh, anyway, uh, Raj, yeah, but, i got to run. Go ahead, quick. No, but the, uh, quickly, but the even more wo- worse than that is all these so-called uh, Khan Pandits, Limba, Medved, and this Hewitt here, Hugh Hewitt, all going gaga over his, ra- his ratings have gone up. <laughs> Go, who's ra- ra- Bush's, ra- Bush's ratings have gone up? Uh, that's what they claim. I don't know. How yeah, don't true. believe them. They're all liars. They continue to lie, Raj. I, I appreciate your call, brother. I got to go or I won't get to the green news. Take care. Good to hear from you. All right, let's, uh, let's do some green news here. It's not easy being green. No, it's not. Yes, it is. It seems you blend what? in with so many other ordinary things. And people tend to pass you over. That, uh, that of course, means Desi Doyen uh, is in the house. Is in the house. Our, uh, <laughs> our producer here, my co-host on the nationally syndicated Green News Report. Uh, before we get to, uh, well, actually, I know you had some points you wanted to make uh, uh, about Meg Whitman, the former head of the EPA, and her fight to try to oversee uh, 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 the, these chemical plants like the yes, one that exploded right, in West Texas. Yes, right after uh, 9-11, uh, she and Tom Ridge, uh, who was, I think at the time, the head of the uh, Department of Homeland Security. Security. I think he was, he was the, the first, first head. Yeah. It had just been, and so they together went through the process of creating legislation to address these security issues, the national security issues, based on you know the fact that this uh, ammonia fertilizer was used in the Oklahoma City bombing, and they said, okay, we need to upgrade our chemical safety uh, plants to make sure that they can withstand any kind of Whitman accident. was the head of the EPA she was the at the head time. of the EPA right. at the time she ended up resigning just two years into her term into the into the first Bush administration term because she could not get the White House to agree on any of these security measures she said that the chemical industry the American Chemistry Council which is the primary lobbying arm of the chemical industry that they were the ones who said no we can't let this go in we don't want this kind of regulation we don't want this kind of enforcement or oversight they so, had these 
rules and procedures in place uh, as security, as uh, national security issues after 9-11, the Bush administration stopped them dead in they its tracks. They stopped them cold. Right. They pulled the legislation. And yep. then you should also mention that in 2006, all, all of that oversight was taken away from the EPA and given instead in legislation to the Department of Homeland Security. That was, again, in 2006. And that law bars the Department of Homeland Security from mandating any security measures. So it's explicitly prevented from doing so. More national security theater, isn't it? Uh, All right, let's get to uh, today's Green News report because we've got some uh, very good news about an environmental hero, Tim DeChristopher. And I know we've got a follow-up on that that we did not have time for in in our latest Green News report. So let's get right to it, and then we'll we'll, uh, come back to uh, Desi Doyen with our follow-up. The explosion and fire aboard the Deepwater Horizon and the resulting oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico never should have happened. And I'm deeply sorry that it did. The third anniversary of BP's oil disaster in the Gulf. EPA victory over mountaintop removal coal mining. Then EPA slams State Department over Keystone XL. Plus... And I told him flat out... Uh, my intention is to disrupt this auction in any way that I can. After two years in prison, environmental activist Tim DeChristopher is freed on Earth Day. All of that and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comments. The 43rd annual Earth Day. At that age, no wonder its ice caps are receding. <laughs> this is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, hope you had a pleasant Earth Day this week. Indeed. I want to take a quick moment to remember Stephen F. Hayward in The Weekly Standard. On April 16, 2010, he wrote, To fear oil spills from offshore rigs today is analogous to fearing air travel now because of prop plane crashes in the 1950s. Of course, just four days later on April 20, the Deepwater Horizon exploded in the Gulf, killing 11 men and kicking off the world's worst accidental oil spill. Here's to you, Stephen Hayward. Wow. Sorry you never decided it was worthwhile to apologize, grovel, and disappear. Wow, that's pretty stunning. And he continues to write such a right-wing denialism still in the Weekly Standard, which apparently has no standards at all. What do you have for us today, Desi Doyen? <laughs> well, more on the BP anniversary in a moment. But first, on the Keystone XL pipeline, over one million public comments were posted during the official public comment period on the State Department's widely panned draft environmental impact statement on the controversial pipeline. But not before the Environmental Protection Agency weighed in, issuing a sharply critical assessment, calling the State Department's report, quote, insufficient and underestimating the climate impacts if the pipeline were built and the potential impacts of pipeline spills on drinking water supplies. Good for the EPA. It's kind of a big deal. The EPA also won a major court victory on Tuesday against the coal industry. A federal appeals court on Tuesday ruled that the EPA does have the authority to veto permits issued by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers allowing mountaintop removal coal mines if the EPA determines the mine would violate the Clean Water Act. And those were three Republican-appointed federal judges. Good for the EPA. I'm glad to see they're stepping up. Environmental activist Tim DeChristopher is now free, released after nearly two years in prison for preventing a federal lease sale back in 2008 that would have allowed oil and gas drilling 
link next to national parks in Utah. The entire lease sale was later declared illegal, but DeChristopher was prosecuted anyway by the Obama administration. There are serious major problems with his prosecution and trial, detailed in the new documentary film called Bitter 70. I interviewed Tim DeChristopher in early 2011, just before he was set to go to jail, and I asked him if, at the time he placed these fake bids for public lands, if he truly understood the consequences that he might be facing. I was thinking, you know, if I do this, I'll, I'll go to prison for a couple of years, um, and that would certainly suck pretty bad, but it's something I can live with. But on the other hand, if I turn my back on this opportunity, uh, knowing that I had something there's some opportunity right there in front of me to do something about it, and I didn't take it. I, I couldn't live with that weight on my conscience. Good for Tim to Christopher. He's an American hero, and i got to tell you, we just saw a similar story where the Obama administration was found guilty of violating the law in these land leases for oil fracking in California. Good to see Americans stepping up. Too bad they have to pay such a price for doing the right thing. Finally, remember this? We're sorry for the massive disruption it's caused to their lives. And, you know, weird. there's no one who wants this thing over more than I do. You know, I'd like my life back. Former BP CEO wishing he had his life back. Never mind those 11 men in the Gulf who were killed. Yep, it was the worst accidental offshore oil spill in world history. The third anniversary of the BP oil disaster in the Gulf of Mexico occurred on Earth Day when the Deepwater Horizon drilling rig sank to the bottom of the ocean two days after that explosion that killed 11 men. The well gushed 206 million gallons of crude oil. The Gulf is still seeing tar balls and oil wash on shore. And an ongoing BP trial in New Orleans is now determining whether BP acted with gross negligence or just regular negligence <laughs> leading up to the disaster. Florida has filed a separate lawsuit against BP and cement contractor Halliburton. And now new uncovered documents reveal BP withheld information on the toxic effects of the oil spill cleanup chemical Corexit and its effect on people and animals. Many Gulf Coast residents still don't have their lives back. No, they don't. And while no one from BP may ever go to jail, may ever see real justice. I suppose there is actually some justice in the fact that every Earth Day from now on, we'll be remembering the BP oil spill as it coincides each and every year. Yep. For more on that story and all of the other ones that we covered today, please check our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Please find us and like us on the Facebook and follow us 24-7 on the Twitters at Green News Report. For Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. I'm sorry, so sorry. And one of the things that we should mention uh, about that interview with Tim to Christopher is that what we didn't have time for is that he actually was able to raise the money to pay for the leases that he bid on. You know, at first, the right. Bureau of Land Management made it sound like, well, you couldn't afford to pay. Therefore, you were an right. illegal bidder. But he said, no, I've got the money. The BLM refused to accept it and prosecuted him anyway. So it was an illegal sale. He had the money to pay for the bidding. And yet he was still thrown in jail for two years. Yes, he was. And that, like I said, there's are lots of problems and issues with his prosecution and with the trial itself and the way that the judge was clearly prejudiced, wouldn't let him bring in any of his defense, such as a necessity defense, which says there's climate change and this is why I did this. Oh, um, stuff hope, like that. I so. hope he makes lots and lots of money I hope for he what he too. has gone through. All right. Uh, thank you. Thank you for that excellent report. Uh, Desi Doyen, my thanks, as always, to Margo Paez, our associate producer, to our soundboard operator G 
Make sure you stay tuned for uh, John Wiener and the 4 o'clock report. He'll be up with John Nichols on Obama's trip to West Texas. My thanks also to Ramon Galindo of RT America. We will be back with you same Brad time, same Brad channel next week. And, oh, stop by bradblog.com. Check out uh, my report on Dean Logan and the uh, announcement that there will be no uh, Internet voting in Los Angeles County. But touchscreen voting may well soon be on its way here and to the rest of the country. I thought we did away with that. No? Check that out. Until next week, I will see you at bradblog.com. You can find me on the Twitters. I am the Bradblog over there. I am Brad Friedman. Good night, America. <laughs>